Okay, good morning everyone. Uh, so let's uh, thank you all for being here. So my sermon uh, topic today is uh, Obedience is Better Than Sacrifice. And uh, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel 15 uh, verse 22 uh, as the uh, text for today. So what does this mean? Uh, so have you found yourself in a difficult position where you say, you know, uh, it's okay, uh, let's compromise for those uh, for the sake of uh, others around me. And uh, you know that uh, if you get into trouble, uh, you will just blame it on the collective because it's really not my fault. Uh, we decided to do this together. And um, uh, you know that it's uh, actually what I really wanted to do was not this. Uh, you know, it's, it's between me and God and He will understand. So I guess, you know, these are the situations that I come across myself and, uh, you know, where I tried to uh, get out of the, uh, you know, get out of trouble or to, you know, uh, to give an excuse. So I just want to put a disclaimer. I'm not. Uh, this sermon is really not pointing at anyone or putting anyone in the spotlight. It is also uh, my own reflection uh, as I came across this uh, this verse that I thought uh, that I might be able to uh, share uh, with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So today my lesson is not instructive, or neither is it a reprimand, uh, and it's also not coming from a holier than thou attitude. Uh, point of view, because it was writing through this lesson that I uh, could take a closer look at my own actions and uh, my own behavior and examine whether I was like Saul. And true enough, uh, you know, in times at different points of my life, I, I feel that I've uh, done this, uh, I have acted like Saul. So I want us to examine ourselves and uh, to think, have we been sweet too easily because of our own self-interest or because of, uh, you know, the influence of others? and have not obeyed God's uh, uh, command and compromised by thinking that we can make up an excuse. So to understand this better, let us turn to our Bibles and look at this chapter. So uh, let's look at uh, 1 Samuel uh, 15, 22. And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So the key word today is obey, and uh, the Hebrew translation is shoma, and it actually means to hear intelligently, diligently. It is to listen with attentiveness. And we can see from this interpretation uh, that we should not be casually listening, but to listen with meaning and understanding. Uh, uh, interestingly, it appears 1,158 times in the Bible. So God really wants us to obey. So what happened here? Uh, let's look at the scene. We uh, go all the way down to uh, 1 Samuel 15.2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So this happened uh, 500 years ago, when uh, uh, we, we, the, the backstory of this, uh, when uh, and why was God so angry with them? And we can see that when uh, Moses took the people out of uh, Egypt, uh, when they were going through the desert, uh, we look at uh, Exodus 17:8, and then came Amalek and fought with uh, Israel in Rephidim. So Joshua was ch uh, chosen to uh, to fight with them, and this was a strong enemy. Right? And uh, remember that 
this scene where you know Moses was on top of the hill and he had to raise his hands, uh, and every time that he put down his hands, they lost, and it, and it was this battle. And uh, one commentary actually made interestingly, one commentary uh, made was uh, that uh, Moses was an effective uh, prayer and leader, prayer leader, and he will pray with his hands up to show sincerity. So God was looking for this sincerity. So whenever he put up his hands, uh, the Israelites were winning this battle. And we also learned that uh, during this course of battle, they were actually losing and winning. So when they actually won, it was not through their own credit, but also God's uh, will. Right? And, uh, and they defeated them. And when they, de- uh, and when they defeated the Amalekites, uh, Amalekites um, God uh, mentioned in Exodus 17.14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in, in the years of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And this doesn't happen immediately. It happens 500 years later. And Saul was actually tasked to complete God's word. So, in 1 Samuel 15, 7, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou uh, comest to Shur, that is over Egypt. And he, he practically almost destroyed them. But he didn't fulfill it. He actually stopped halfway. Or, you know, he left that little bit. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of a sword. But Saul and the, peop- and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, they destroyed utterly. <coughs> So he did it differently, and he didn't completely, uh, you know, uh, complete God's word. Because God, when he, uh, you know, in Exodus, said that he would completely remove the Amalekites. So uh, he, it was on his own decision, together with the people, uh, that they decided not to destroy uh, all the whole Amalekites. But his answer to Samuel, when Samuel went up to meet him in 1513, uh, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to, unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel also has let him know that he is earth. And uh, Saul puts forth his reason for doing so. And he says in 1 Samuel 15, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and brought Agag, the king of the Amalite, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of things which have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So he made an excuse that it was the people that wanted to keep the peace and sacrifice and sacrifice it to God. But was it a case of uh, miscommunication? So like sometimes today we always uh, say, actually you misunderstood me, that was not my intention. And uh, uh, and, 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 and maybe because we didn't consider the, all the possibilities of why Saul um, um, you know, made that decision. Could it be because of some unforeseen reason? So, uh, I took the internet and uh, you know, I tried to find some answers. And uh, I'm not sure whether all of you uh, have heard of this uh, app called uh, uh, ChatGPT. Right? So it's been hailed as a revolutionary and uh, you know, everyone uh, saying that you know, a lot of jobs might be uh, risked because of how powerful this AI uh, product is. So uh, let's go to ChatGPT and ask, ask ChatGPT uh, what it thinks or why this Saul uh, did not kill all the Amalekites. So this is his response. Okay. 
So I'm just going to, I mean, I think from the back it's a bit small, so I'm just going to read out what it actually says. So this is uh, just really quoting from this computer what he said, okay? So in modern context, Saul's decision to spare the Amalekites could be explained as an act of disobedience and moral compromise. Saul was commanded by God to completely destroy the Amalekites, but he allowed his personal desires and pressure of his soldiers to override his obedience to God. Now this decision not only went against God's commandments, but it also demonstrated a lack of moral courage and leadership as Saul was more concerned with pleasing his soldiers and preserving the best of the spoils of war rather than following God's will. Saul's actions could be compared to a leader who compromises their values and principles in order to maintain their popularity or appease their followers rather than making it difficult. Making it difficult but necessary decisions for the greater good. Ultimately, Saul's disobedience resulted in his rejection as king by God, which serves as warning against compromising one's values and disregarding divine authority. So this is the computer's version. Okay, uh, basically it, it was fed, but it didn't really say why uh, he didn't, uh, you know, um, uh, follow God's commandment. So, uh, you know, I I, I asked it again, uh, you know, why why he didn't. So. It did say that, uh, you know, there were certain reasons that it could be. Uh, some scholars suggested that Saul might have spared the Amalekites uh, in order to assimilate them into Israel's society. Uh, and at that time, I mean, today, you would consider it a genocide. So that might be not something that he didn't want to do um, because there were innocent people that didn't deserve to be killed. And uh, there could be also uh, political, religious uh, reasons. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer, okay, that the, the, it says here that the Bible was influenced uh, by um, possible and it's not entirely accurate, but it actually is um, accurate as far as uh, we know. And uh, I think what we, oh, this exercise was to do was to actually um, see how, you know, how uh, a computer will answer questions for us. And it was actually very tempting to uh, let the computer continue running and uh, complete my sermon. Uh, but no, no, the rest of it is not, okay? Um, it was uh, done by my effort, <laughs> I hope. Okay, and um, even though this was a fun exercise to do, um, it does give us a few answers. But what we can see from the Bible, and if we want to return back to the Bible and, and look at it, can we actually say that it's not our fault? Can we actually say that, you know, I, I, I didn't want to do it, but it was because of the people, and, and bring it to heaven, and, and be judged by God. Because we remember uh, that God is omni, uh, omniscient, and He knows our every thought. He's all-powerful. And we can see in Psalms 139, uh, verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. So before you even speak of it, God knows what our heart is thinking. And one thing that the AI bot didn't quote was that this was not the first time that Saul actually uh, disobeyed God uh, and, and didn't uh, fulfill uh, God's commandment. We see it in 1 Samuel uh, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 12. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. So he obviously thought of himself and, 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 and actually disobeyed uh, or disregarded God's word just to, uh, because he wanted to do it. And he uses his circumstances to justify it. 
So God, what, what does God actually wants? God actually wants a man that is after his own heart. And he says in the following verse, right? In 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him, a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And we know that God does not need our sacrifice. He says in Isaiah verse 1, 11, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings and rams, and the fat of fat beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks, or of lambs, or of he goats. So, we can see that, you know, all these sacrifices are in vain, and we cannot use sacrifices to make up for things that we did not do. So, today's lesson, uh, having gone through the main, sto uh, main story, uh, puts us in, uh, you know, in this right frame, where we want to see where um, people use uh, justifications uh, when disobeying God. Uh, this could be through good intentions, you know, uh, it could be also partial obedience, and sometimes we blame others. And we'll look at God's uh, verdict on disobedience, uh, and also uh, things that God desires, and lastly we'll finish off with God, what uh, God desires more than sacrifice. So one of it's good intentions, and we see uh, that actually the people had good intentions, right? They said that they wanted to keep the best uh, sheep and oxen and sacrifice it to God. So maybe they thought that actually as long as we had good intentions, uh, God will understand. So one example would be, uh, you know, like musical instruments. And often we can, uh, you know, justify it by improving worship service or the experience. So I grew up in a Catholic church and uh, in this, uh, in, in during Mass, uh, they would have a five-piece band, drum set, guitar, and this was in the 90s. And it was pretty revolutionary. Um, it and, and the priest will make sure that every service will have this five-piece band. Because to him, it will be, you know, uh, using our talents to glorify God. And his justification was also to make the Mass a bit more interesting, so more people could come. Uh, at that time, you know, the Catholic Church was uh, facing dwindling numbers, and they, they really wanted church attendance. So the intention could be a good intention where, uh, you know, he wanted to uh, increase church attendance, and also to use our talents to uh, uh, glorify God. But is that the right thing to do? Uh, we know that, uh, you know, musical instruments is really not, uh, is not allowed and that we should use our voices to sing to God and praise. So this is something that, uh, because of good intentions, you know, uh, people uh, change the worship service. And we see that in uh, 1 Samuel 15, that they actually used, uh, they, they actually, uh, that uh, Saul uh, partially obeyed God. He did one thing, which was to destroy most of the Amalekites, but he didn't do another. So this is, can be uh, uh, used, uh, or, or this has been uh, used when people uh, claim that, uh, you know, belief alone saves. So if I were to ask, if the objective is to get more people into heaven, uh, this will leave a work, right? All we need to do is to make sure that the prospect understands, you know, this is the gospel. Okay, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Okay, you're saved, you're a Christian. So next week you come to service and then you continue this. So, I, I, you know, with this, uh, this uh, motus of friendly, you know, the uh, attendance definitely will uh, increase. So, but can we really believe in that and 
can you convince yourself that God uh, will accept this person? Uh, believe, because he has uh, all he needs to do is believe. And has he gone through um, the the right understanding? So, and and then on our on our part, can we say that we have done our part? And I preached the word to him, and uh, you know he's now saved because he believes. Will we absolve ourselves from any wrongdoing? And will that be good enough for us to get to heaven? But let us also understand that the devil also believes and knows Jesus, as we see in Matthew seven twenty three. And then I will press, uh, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, it is also very important, my brethren, that we, when we meet God, that He recognizes us, that we do His will and follow His commandments. So, uh, the next one, blaming others. So, in these uh, uh, two passages, we also learn that Saul blamed the people for his failings. And um, he says there that, you see, I forced myself thereof and offered a burnt offering in uh, verse uh, 12. So, um, one, one, one uh, example would be blaming others when forsaking the assembly. So, the other day, uh, I kind of made a comment during a discussion and, 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 and she upset this person and uh, because it really came across as harsh and haughty. And, but truly, that wasn't my intent and my concern... Uh, and, and I really was, uh, you know, uh, uh, really a bit uh, uh, disturbed by it over the past two weeks. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just want to publicly apologize for upsetting this person because of what I said. And I would like to also, uh, and, and through this reflection, I realized that, you know, that sometimes that when we do something that we uh, could, you know, come across as uh, uh, differently from what we actually wanted to. So, uh, when... When we, when we uh, say something, when we uh, do something, we also need to understand that uh, this is, uh, we do not want to stumble others. Because on one hand, we spend so much time to study the Bible together and try to figure out what God's want. And at the end of the day, because of what we uh, don't say or fear to say, uh, we are denied entry, uh, just like the rich man uh, in the story of Lazarus, where uh, he requested Abraham to send uh, uh, Lazarus to tell his family to change so that they can enter heaven. But uh, it was too late. So um, let us do all we can to encourage our brothers and sisters to not forsake their assembly or to, um, uh, so that we, can, that we continue this journey together. Uh, and we cannot put the blame on others and, should not, uh, and we should be more aware of ourselves as to not stumble others and cause them to lose faith. So, God's verdict on the disobedience. We read in 1 Samuel 15.23, For rebellion is as sin, as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity or idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. So, God deems it as a rejection of his word, that we might have other thoughts and excuses, but they are all meaningless in front of God. And maybe we can point out... Uh, that, you know, whatever excuses we give for disobeying God, disobeying, uh, disobedience is still a sin. Uh, remember the one talent man? He said that, you know, I only have one talent as compared to the rest. So that is also uh, a disobeying God. So we look at uh, rebellion and rebellion. God sees rebellion as a, as a, 
sorry, God sees disobedience as a rebellion against His authority. Because of our refusal to submit to God's authority, He sees it, he sees it as a rebellion. It says here that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity. So rebellion means bitterness. When we do something, we should not grumble or mutter under our breath um, and, and, and you know, say, why do we have to do this? Or why do we have to come to worship? And, uh, and uh, we know that we come because we need to edify one another and also show our sincerity to God. And, also, and, and that's what God really wants us to do. Stubbornness is also a sin because our refusal to change uh, into a new man or creature um, and, not, and not continue in the sin that controls us. And that what, is what God calls us to be. So stubbornness is an iniquity, which also means evil, um, immoral, or wicked. So we shouldn't be stubborn and refuse to change, especially what is right. Um, so our w- willingness to obey God's word and we need to do it wholeheartedly and not have, uh, have you know, not do it halfway or have excuses uh, to God's command. And we cannot be bitter about doing it. So on the front, we say you know, that we are doing it, but we're not doing wholeheartedly. That is also uh, stubbornness and disobedience. So remember, um, uh, you know, uh, a good verse to uh, remember is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, if we turn to that, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Another, uh, another sin is uh, idolatry. So that is a disobedience to put you know, something above God's command. And God's hate it. Uh, God hates it when we do not put Him first. And we can see it in uh, Exodus uh, 1 all the way down to 5. All right? And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt uh, not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven and above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, we see in some uh, denominations uh, that they will have, you know, the picture of uh, or, or the statue of Jesus crucified on a cross. And again, I use a, an example uh, in the Catholic Church where they will have, uh, you know, the picture of. Um, uh, the mother of uh, Jesus, Mary, uh, and they will stand in front of it and, uh, you know, um, uh, pray or, uh, you know, put petitions uh, across to this uh, uh, mother of Jesus. Or even the saints, you know, the churches are named after the saints. So, when I was a, a boy, I actually asked, you know, the priest, you know, why do we have all these uh, statues and images? And they said, oh, because, you know, when people pray, they need something to focus on. So, it helps with the prayer, Right. And then I say, oh, but why, why do we have to have uh, pictures of saints, right? Um, oh, because they're actually better people than us. Uh, they, they're deemed, you know, uh, uh, better in character. So when we pray to them, or when we offer our petitions to them, they are able to offer it to God. And, uh, and, they are, and, they are, and because they are better in a sense, uh, they are, their petitions and prayers can be heard. So we go through an intermediary, and we know that that's not true, right? And 
and you can see how uh, you know uh, sometimes good intentions again has led to uh, you know uh, disobeying God's word and blatant uh, disobedience. We also look at foolishness, and God does not accept excuses for disobedience. So, you know, I uh, used to think that, you know, uh, how can it be so many people are wrong? You know, the Catholics being a one billion member faith, uh, definitely there are a lot of smart people, a lot of professors, a lot of people who have studied and scholars, and how can it be wrong? Uh, but in this case, I think, uh, you know, this is where we use this uh, foolishness. Because if so many people believe it, doesn't make it right. And it's up to us to study God's word, to understand it, and to make our own, ju- and to make our own judgment uh, when we stand in front of God, to know that I've done everything possible to study your word and understand it. And I think uh, that, that today is something that uh, we need to reflect upon. Have we studied enough of God's word? Have we uh, done enough? So that when we are judged by God, we said that, you know, we've, uh, we t- fully understand your will and your word. So we cannot believe, uh, we cannot blame it on someone else and say that we follow him. It's really not a game of Simon Says. And uh, we also like to use human reasoning to think for God. Because man has taken liberties to change God's command. So, uh, you know, we have also done uh, things like, uh, you know, some, some denominations have used uh, women in the role of the church to become priests, to become uh, bishops in the Anglican church. And uh, we also think that our ways are superior to uh, God's, way, God's ways, right? And uh, we also think that, um, you know, instead of following His commandments, we want to do things our way. But I beseech all of us to think about it and to, to really reflect. Uh, our own life and you know when we come across difficult decisions to not take the easy way out or to blame others because like the people who were enjoying their life before the flood uh, you know in uh, we read in Matthew 24 uh, verse uh, 38 uh, let's read together for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the Son of Man be. Uh, and also the coming of the Son of Man be. And there will be no chances given. So we've been given a lot of chances here, and we've been given a lot of time, a lot of tools to reflect. And uh, I think that's important that we uh, realize that. So, in conclusion, uh, the choices we make are ours. So to obey or to make an excuse that we may live a little better now uh, and to, but to suffer uh, eternal death and that's on us. And we've seen that uh, you know, things that God desires more than sacrifice is obedience. People think that we can compensate uh, for our sins by giving to God. So sometimes it's like you know, paying in um, penance. Uh, maybe I give a little bit more this Sunday because I didn't attend last week. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And um, also, there is also the uh, obedience in evangelizing. Because uh, sometimes we say that, you know, I shy or I don't know God's word. I don't want to talk about, you know, I don't dare to talk to other people about it. But we are also commanded to do so in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we cannot make excuses or leave the job to the preacher. 
It is a personal responsibility. And it is also what we must do to keep our salvation. So sometimes when, you know, the more we don't preach and we don't do it, it's like a skill, you forget it and you don't uh, practice it. So, you know, the first time is always the hardest, but when you talk about the Bible more in front of your friends, you know, uh, it's, it gets easier. Another thing is also that God looks for is mercy and knowledge of His will. In Hosea uh, 6, 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So, uh, this is also another thing that people think that we can compensate, you know, for our lack of devotion to God. And lastly, we look at uh, Mark uh, 12, 33. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. So, it's really, uh, you know, people think that it's okay not to practice forgiveness and to, uh, as long as we give to God. So it's really doing one thing and not doing the other. So we really need to do uh, everything uh, in accordance to God's word in Matthew 23, 23 as well. Uh, these ought to ye have to have done and not leave the other undone. So I've come to the end of uh, my lesson and I, and I just want to say that, you know, I think at times we really think that Maybe if I don't do this, I can make it up with something else. But we can see here it's not true and that we uh, need to follow God's uh, commandment to the letter. So I hope that this lesson has been uh, helpful and a timely reminder for all. Uh, yeah. I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust His holy word. I want to sing and pray and be busy every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker every day. I want to lead the erring in the way. That leads to have above where all is peace and love in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker strong and brave. I want to trust in Jesus' power to save. All who will truly come shall find a happy home in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord.